You're listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, Niagara in St. Catharines, Ontario. For more information, please feel free to contact us by visiting our website, harvestniagara.ca. Good morning. Welcome here this morning. Turn through your Bibles to Psalm chapter 96. If you don't have a Bible, one of our ushers will be more than happy to get a copy of God's Word into your hands. Uh, just so you know that we uh, are cutting our worship a little bit short today, and so our worship was hearing what God is doing in people's lives. That's a pretty, pretty solid act of worship, don't you think? Amen. So now we're just going to study uh, worship as we think about Christmas. And so Psalm 96 is where we're going to be at. Uh, Psalm chapter 96. Let me grab my glasses so I can read this. And we're just going to lead up to Christmas by looking at a few psalms. It's not typical for Christmas, uh, but yet it has a message contained in the psalms that we just can't miss at Christmas. And uh, one of the things that we know that God uh, wants from our hearts is hearts of worship. We can go through all the Christmas season and do all the good things and all the right things. We can have all the food and all the family and all the festivities we want. But if we miss the heart of worship, we miss fully out on all of what God has for us this Christmas. And so the Psalms bring us to the heart of worship. And, and I realize that so easily in our church, in our day and age, even if for believers who claim the name of Jesus, that we can so often treat Christmas like wedding crashers treat a wedding. It's fun, it's awesome, there's lots of food, but then they'll give a rip about the bride and groom. And so as believers, we can do the same. It's unfortunate, but it's true. Let's just own up. Have you ever done that before? Just me? I'm the only one. You're leaving your pastor hanging today. But right, we get so caught up in all the stuff and and family and food and, and festivities. They're good things, but if we miss the ultimate thing, the only thing that Christmas is about, we miss the whole season. And so far be it from us, from me, to want to help our, to, to, to let our churches walk in the way of missing again a Christmas season. I want to help us know the full reality of Christmas, that we're not the, the Christmas party crashes where we get all jacked up about everything else about, but about the one to whom the party is being thrown. That we won't be the people who miss, who love the party, but miss the hosts. And so take the Christ out of Christmas and what do you have? Just a great big mass of emptiness and nothing. And so this is a a message on worship and really worship, let me define this for you before we get into it. Worship is being wowed by God again. Worship is being wowed by God. That is what worship is, is, is realizing, wow, we celebrate because we have an awesome God who sent his son, wow. And that's what Christmas is really all about. You look at the New Testament account of Christmas, the pastor's big struggle every Christmas is what do you preach because there's only a couple chapters at the beginning of Matthew and only a couple at the beginning of Luke to pick from. And so you're like, I already preached that and that and that and that. And so we're going to preach Psalms, but I want to also bring us to the reality of the text of what happened when Jesus came. When Jesus came, it was all about worship. If you flip through those few passages in the next coming, in the coming week, Matthew 1 and 2 and Luke 1 and 2, you'll find this theme throughout all of the account of Jesus coming. It was worship. Think about it with me for a minute. What happened when Jesus was born? There's a star that appeared before the manger, and that is the heavens worshiping Jesus. And of course, the wise men followed that star, and what did they do? They brought their gifts of worship to the king. Shepherds were out doing their own thing, minding their own business. All of a sudden, a multitude of heavenly hosts lit up the sky and beckoned the shepherds to come in and join them in worship. 
Even Mary, remember Mary was treasuring up all these things in her heart and then out of her lips, without even thinking about it, without even putting a lot of time, without her lips flowed a worship song that has been off the charts ever since, the Magnificat of Mary. Even Simeon, the old man who has been waiting his whole life to see the Savior, he waited, he waited, he waited to see the Savior. When he finally saw the Savior, he waxed eloquent words of worship. See the theme? Really, Christmas is about worship. Christmas is about worshiping Jesus Christ. And I want to differentiate for you here for a second. It's, it's not just singing songs. That's not worship. It's not just going home like, I want to get in the, worship, the Christmas spirit, so I'm going to crank the radio tunes. The, the tunes we hear on the radio are not worship. Those are songs about I don't know what. But it's not worship. Worship is singing songs about God, about Jesus Christ, songs of, of adoration, songs of thankfulness to God. And uh, we just miss this. Even Christians miss this. Even Christians miss this. We get so, we get so amped up about all the, the, the songs of the day. And I did a quick check this week of the top number one songs, Christmas songs that were being played this week on the Billboard 100 list. And out of the top 10, there's only one that's about Jesus Christ. The rest of them are the Feliz Navidad, the Holly Jolly Christmas, the Rudolph, the who cares? The let it snow, let it snow, let it snow, someone yelled out this morning, no! (laughs) Rocking around the Christmas tree, all I want for Christmas. These are warm fuzzies. This isn't the Christmas spirit that God wants us to have at Christmas. It's so much deeper, so much more meaningful than that. And Psalms 96, 97, and 98, the three Psalms we're gonna look at over the next three weeks really pull out for us the heart of worship. Let me read for you Psalm 96. It's not about Christmas specifically, but it could be sung at Christmas for sure. What are the Psalms? The Psalms are songs that God gave us so we know how to worship him. How do we worship God? God's like, you'll never figure it out on your own, so I'll give you the Psalms that you know how to worship. And so this isn't a, a psalm that's specifically about worship, but it so resonates with even the season that there's been Christmas songs written out of this psalm. So let me read it for you, and then we're gonna dive into what it means to be wowed by God again this Christmas. Psalm 96, verse one, it says, Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord, all the earth. Sing to the Lord, bless his name. Tell of his salvation from day to day. Declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all the peoples. For great is the Lord. Get this, great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods for all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols. But the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Therefore, here's the command. It's the picture of God. Here's the command for us as believers now, here's what we are to do. We are to ascribe to the Lord. O families of the peoples, ascribe to the Lord glory and strength. Ascribe to the Lord the glory due his name. Bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Yes, the world is established. It shall never be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the, nation, let the heavens be glad and let the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exalt and everything in it. Then all the trees of the forest shall sing for joy before the Lord. For he comes, for he comes to judge the earth. He will judge the world in righteousness and the peoples in his faithfulness. That is Worship. And that is what God is calling us to do every day, but how much more at Christmas? 
Should we stand back again in awe of the God who hasn't, isn't coming for us? He came for us. Let me help understand the context of this. This is a general psalm, but it's also a psalm that was closely associated with 1 Chronicles 16. 1 Chronicles 16, the children of Israel had been taken into captivity by, by another nation and they'd finally gotten themselves, by God's grace, out of captivity back into a place where they're functioning as their, their own free community again. And then 1 Chronicles 16, David brings the Ark of the Covenant signifying God's presence. He brings it and puts it back where it belongs in the midst of the people. And so this was an this is a, this is an explosion of praise for the people of God. They were they were like, man, we've been in exile. We've been afar from God. It felt like God didn't think of us anymore. It felt like God didn't even know our names anymore. And now we have again full reality, the presence of God in our midst. And they just burst forth in in this singing. Like when we're happy, we sing, right? I don't care if you can't sing like me. If you're when you're happy, you sing. If it's not a song that you know, you make up a song to sing about. So the people of God started singing, but not just any random song. They started singing to God, and it was a monumental time. It was when the, when the reality of God, this is a big deal, the God was home again. God was among his people. He was a center of their lives. They were his, and he was theirs. And so this pure song of worship comes from that and it's the people looking back over their shoulder going, wow, look what God's done for us. Look what God's done for us. He has brought us out of slavery and captivity and they were like, well, what, what could be more great to sing about? But it wasn't just stop there. It was, it was look at the blessings he's given us now and then they're looking forward to like when God comes back again and makes everything completely right on this earth. So they, can you imagine? Like, put yourself in the Israelite shoes. Like, wow, it's a big deal. God saved me, he's blessing me, and when he comes back, it's gonna... We have just as much reason to praise, don't we? We have just as much reason to get excited and sing a song because, because I see the parallels here between what God was doing in this passage, what God has done for us. How much more do we have reason to praise God this Christmas? Maybe we didn't watch him being brought back in, a, in an ark to put right in the middle of the camp, but we know for, for sure, looking back, that God came in a much greater way at Christmas. He came into our world. He put on human flesh. God became man that we might know the fullness of the reality of God. That's awesome. And if this doesn't call out for a fresh outburst of worship, I'm not sure what is gonna illuminate your heart today. The reality of God being flesh to show us the way to heaven, to give us a fullness of the presence of God. That is, if you're saved today and that doesn't do something for your soul, there's something wrong in your heart. Because this is why we live as believers. This is our hope. And so let me unpack this for you. Three quick points. Three quick points. I've promised to be short. It's not going to happen, but I've promised to be short in light of all that's happened already. But we can't miss the word of God. You know why? Because this is where the power is. This is what, this is all the testimonies you saw here. It's not because we have some great strategies. It's because we're preaching the word of God and God's spirit is attaching himself to that and people are responding and their lives are being changed. And so that's why we preach the word of God every Sunday, whether there's a lot going on or not. This is just what we need for our souls. You're gonna need lunch after this. You need this for your soul before you need lunch. First thing I wanna point out for you from this passage is this. As we think about Christmas, as we think about worship, hopefully you've gotten that theme already. Number one is this. God desires a fresh outburst of praise from your heart. God desires a fresh outburst of praise from your heart. I don't know about you, but I've been doing Christmas now. This is the 40th time I've done it. 
It's easy just to go through Christmas and be like, hmm, another Christmas. To know you're supposed to be joyful but just have nothing. You ever been there? Nothing really deep down that you're really fired up about God at Christmas. Well, God doesn't want that to happen this Christmas because if if you go through another Christmas like that, you know what? You're going to come to January 1st and you're going to be like, really? That was Christmas? It's not all it's cracked up to be because it's not what Christmas is cracked up to be is heartfelt adoration of Jesus Christ that is new again this Christmas. That's new again this Christmas. Look at that first word in this passage. Worship and the splendor of his holiness it's called. First word is this. It's like, oh, Oh, sing to the Lord a new song. This is true Christianity. True Christianity is is caught up in a word of, oh, wow. You mean they get to stop and celebrate again that God came? Oh, my goodness. Oh, wow. Oh, man. This is awesome. There's emotion attached to the word, oh. There's There's a depth of feeling and wonder attached to Christmas that ought to not be getting dimmer as we get older, but getting stronger as we know the greater reality of God in our lives. This is an, oh man, God is unbelievable. That's all. It says this, it says, oh, we're really talking about worship here. Sing to the Lord a new song. Sing to the Lord, bless his name, tell of his salvation from day to day, declare his glory among the nations, his marvelous works among all people. He's giving us an outline, an outprint here of what worship looks like as we come to Christmas. Simply two things is singing and declaring the greatness of God. That's all worship is. It's singing and declaring the greatness of God. And he's telling us here that, that every year there ought to be something new to sing about and declare about the greatness of God in our hearts. When he says sing a new song, he's not telling us all to now go home and like beat our head against the desk trying to write some lyrics that rhyme to a tune. If you're like me, that's just not gonna happen. It's not saying that David now has to come with a new song every year we sing to. What he's talking about here is the overall, overall reality of our heart bursting forth with something brand new again for God. A, a new song being God, God stirring us again to see the, the wonder that our hearts might beat again at the reality of what Christmas truly is and who God really is. The ongoing, get this, the ongoing reality of God's work in us. This is the, this is the sing a new song. So often I think we think Christianity is, for those who graduated high school, like your high school graduation, that was a cool thing way back when and it was done and there were some neat things that surrounded that, but who cares really at this point? We sort of think that's where our Christian faith is, but that's not it. If we're saved, it's not like a one-time deal that God did in us. It's an ongoing, vital relationship of walking with Jesus, of God creating new things in us on a continual basis and giving us new reasons to praise him. Salvation is never the same old. God is never the same old. Maybe it's a truth you've read lately or a moment you've experienced but, or a new blessing that's come your way, but every, re- every season is a new reason to praise God. And what God wants to do in our hearts this morning is, is constantly, what he constantly wants to do in our hearts is put a new tune in our head and a new beat in our heart for the things of Jesus. You know what ultimately Israel is celebrating? You see it right here in this passage. You know what ultimately Israel is celebrating? They're celebrating, verse two, tell of his, what's the next word? Salvation. They're celebrating the salvation of God. They're celebrating the salvation of God. How are we saved in God? Only by Jesus Christ. God saved them. How are we saved? Only by Jesus Christ. And this song does not get stale in our hearts. This song only gets greater. 
Israel's remembering, they're remembering. This is where their worship comes from. This is where our worship comes from. They're remembering the fact that, man, they were once captives. They were once in bondage. They were once separated from the God that they loved. But God's grace has brought them into a full reality of God's presence again in their lives. This is the whole basis of our worship. This is why we, we worship at Christmas because, because we were worshiping the fact that God saved us. He's brought us salvation. If you remember where you were, just like the Israelites, they, to, to get the full reality of God's presence with us, you have to remember where you came from. You have to remember where you were before and, and we are just like the Israelites. Anyone who's, who's made, been, been made brand new in Jesus Christ comes from the same place the Israelites came from. We were all once in captivity to the enemy. We were all once in bondage to the enemy. Your soul was just like a, a, someone who'd been taken, abducted and taken hostage. Your soul was taken hostage by the enemy. And at one point, at one point, we were bound and blindfolded and gagged and thrown in the dark cellar apart from everything of the goodness of God. That's what it means to be totally depraved. That's what it means to be totally sinful and apart from God. And the only thing that saved us from that is the fact that God has looked down upon our sinful state, our screwed up world, our messed up lives, and he said, you know what? There's something that I can do about this. They can't rescue themselves. I will send Jesus. And so Christmas is celebrating that God came for us. He broke open the cellar. He broke open the cellar door. He marched down to where we were in our loneliness and our darkness where all we could see is black and he took the blindfold off. He took the gag off of our lips. He untied our hands and he freed us to run up the stairs and run into the arms of our God. That's pretty amazing, don't you think? Could we have done that without Jesus coming to earth? Not a chance. But since Jesus came, we now have not darkness around us. We have the light of God illuminating us. We have eyes to see the reality of God. Spiritual eyes see the reality of God. We have spiritual lips to call out to God and praise God. We even have spiritual hands to reach out and feel, tangibly feel the presence of God. And this is ongoing and this is reason to praise. If we miss this whole reason of Christmas, we're gonna miss Christmas again. May it not be so this year. This is reason to praise. This ought to cause a new song to spring up in your heart. New song, like, like something new to be like stirring within you of wow, the greatness of my God again. Christmas isn't just Christmas, it's the greatness of God breaking into my world to bring me to face to face with the Father. And God wants us to renew in our hearts this spirit of worship this Christmas this wonder that the creator became one of the created so that we could know God personally, be renewed in the wonder that God came for me. It's not mistletoe and snow that fires me up. It's a reality that I'm, a, I'm saved. I'm a sinner saved by the grace of God. That's what fires me up. It's not the hope of a, a physical meal. Yeah, they're good. It's the hope of a spiritual meal in the word of God that fires me up. That, that it's, not, it's not just singing a song. It's singing songs of praise to Jesus. Whether that's captured through an old song we sing or a brand new one, who ultimately cares? But what God is calling us to is a fresh reality to the fullness of the presence of God in our lives. I don't know about you, but I don't want to miss that this year. I've missed them. Even the pastor in the busyness of Christmases, I've missed them. And got so consumed with everything else, I don't want to miss the fullness of God this Christmas. I don't want to miss the new song that God wants to spring off my lips. 
I also don't want to miss this, the opportunity to declare his glory. Look at verse 3. God wants a fresh outburst of praise from our hearts. One of the ways that happens is through song, through just a, a new expression of thank you, God, for all that you are and all that you have. But he also wants us to, to declare this, to tell this story from day to day and declare his glory among the nations and his marvelous works among all the peoples. And we often wonder, how do we worship? Do we just sit in our homes and sing songs? Do we just turn on the radio of Christian songs? Do we just come to church and sing praise to God? No, here's how, here's how God wants us to truly know the full wow of him this Christmas. He wants us to, to share his greatness with all those around us. That's part of your worship is sharing Jesus with those that don't know Jesus, just to tell them the true meaning of Christmas, to declare his glory to the nations. to tell the people around us that, that you get all jacked up about Christmas, not because of the food and the family and the, the gifts, but because you, because you get to worship more clearly and more fully the Savior of the world. And tell your friends and family that this is not just a holiday, this is a holy day that we're fired up about. We're fired up about worshiping Jesus and all the marvelous, wonderful things he has done, is doing, and is going to do in this world. If Christmas isn't a time to share Jesus, I don't know what time is, amen? Let me ask you this, how many times have you bolted through a Christmas without ever telling anybody else why you're ramped up about Christmas? we do that we miss the worship of God at Christmas our worship is also our expressing to the world how awesome and how great God is like this Christmas song says go tell it on the mountain go tell it on the mountain you can hear the tune in your head that won't come out of my lips well so you can you know the tune and everywhere this is how God wants to experience anew the wonder of Jesus if you haven't shared Christ in a while guess what guess where your worship comes from it comes from just expressing the fact that you have a God and a Savior and that he came to save sinners from their sin. There's so much joy and so much worship in that. But the people of God must lead in this reality of who's gonna tell the world about Christmas if we don't? I'm not talking about making a big stink about colors of coffee cups, that's just goofy. (laughs) Who cares what color the coffee cup is? I'm talking about who's gonna really declare to people the reality of what Christmas really is if it's not us, nobody. So God is calling us to a heart of singing and declaring this Christmas, will you take up the call to worship this Christmas? Will you truly take up the call to worship? There's nothing that's gonna bring more joy to your soul than taking up the call to worship. You wanna get rid of those Christmas blues? You wanna get rid of that emptiness in your, in your heart? Start worshiping and start singing and start declaring and you'll find your whole Christmas will turn around. This is where our joy comes from, but the passage goes on. Point number two is this. Being wowed of God is realizing that God eclipses everything else. True worship, being wowed by God, wowed of God, is, is realizing that God eclipses everything else. Look at what it says next, verse four. For great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. He is to be feared above all gods, for all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols. But the Lord made the heavens. Splendor and majesty are before him. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. Do you realize again this Christmas that God eclipses everything else? Like eclipses it, like wipes it off the map, doesn't even matter, God eclipses everything else. We see this word great and we think, ah, great. It's a, it's a good word, but it's not a really fantastic word. Like I asked my son how school went and his kind of his trajectory is it's really, really bad, which is like a zero, or it's good, which is like a six. 
There's really nowhere in between bad and good for some reason. It's either bad or it's good or it's a six. Great is, if he says great, I know it's about an eight, but if he says awesome, that's a 10. But that version of great, that we've kind of watered great down in our culture, that version of great is not what this is talking about. It's not like, hey, God is great. Like, hey, I had a great day yesterday and it's gonna have a great lunch today. That's not the greatest talking about. It's realizing that God is the greatest that God is the most ultimate, most awesome person in the universe. This is how we're going to get the fullness of Christmas again, realizing that God is the reason for the season. To use the old silly cliche, but it's true. Again, I think we can plow through Christmas saying those words, saying those words, oh yeah, it's about God, it's about Jesus, I know. But somehow missing the full reality of God in our hearts. And meanwhile, there's one massive gift left for us by God himself and a whole bunch of little ones under the tree and we get so consumed with all the little ones that we don't even see the big massive one of God himself. When we lived in London still before we moved here, uh, Christmas Eve service one year, we thought we'd be really smart and we'd get all the presents out from hiding while we're getting the kids ready for church. We could take them to church. We could come home and then have them, our tradition is we pick one gift at Christmas Eve and let our kids open it. And so we thought, well, we'll get it all figured out, get them all set up, get the gifts ready, and then when they, they won't even see them on the way out the door, and then when we come back in, they can pick their gift, and it's all going to be fine and dandy. Well, best laid plans are never good laid plans when you have kids, as you know. And so we got all things ready. got Zach ready in his room, and Ruth is messing with Maya doing her thing, and so I was running around doing other things. I came back to get Zach to take him to the car, and he was gone. And uh, I was like, uh, seen Zach? No, haven't seen him. So we found him where we thought we'd find him, right in, the middle, right in front of the Christmas tree. <laughs> And uh, that year, my dad had got him this, this big crane that was in a massive box, and it was really fun for the three hours that it, we could use it until it broke, but it was, <laughs> it was this huge box, and everything else was kind of under the tree, but this big box wouldn't fit under the tree, so, so guess where Zach was standing? In front of this big gift, and he just had his eyes like wide, just like eyes wide, mouth open, going like, wow. And I was like, okay, let's go. I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a 10 minutes earlier. I'm late guy. Like, let's go. We're going to be late. We're going to be late. Let's go. Let's go. And he's just standing there going like... Wow. Ruth and Meyer out the door, you know, and I'm like, Zach, come on, let's go. And he just keeps mesmerized by this gift. And I'm like, I come on, I'm like, buddy, we gotta go. And he's like, yeah, but dad, what do you think it is? <laughs> I don't really care right now. <laughs> let's go. And I was like, Zach, you can open you can open it later. You don't get it. So he's like, yeah, but but dad, I just, he just couldn't take his eyes off the gift. It was so big that I was like, Zach, like, look at all the other gifts. Like just this. Yeah, but dad. That's the best gift I ever got. He didn't even open it yet. Just by the fact that it was massive. So often I think we're like the kid that stands by the tree looking at all the gifts and ignoring the big one where we need to be more like my son and really, yeah, those are good things. All the things you're going to get this are good things, but the gift that really we need to like feast our eyes upon and have wide eyes and open mouth and be in awe is the fact that we have been given the gift of God's Son that we might know and stand face to face with the glory of God. And if we get that backwards, we miss out. But we need to remember, this is what this passage is saying, that great is the Lord and greatly to be praised. For why? For he is to be feared. He is to be revered above all gods for for all the gods of the peoples are worthless idols, but the God who made the heavens, think of this, the God didn't just, just set up shop in the heavens, he didn't just buy a lot and ask someone else to build in the heavens, he made the heavens and set up his throne room in heaven. 
The Lord who made the heavens splendor and majesty are before him and him alone. Strength and beauty are in his sanctuary. In other words, what what this is drawing us to is is real worship is recognizing that God is, that God is the all-satisfying and completely awe-inspiring gift of Christmas. It's God himself. God is the one who is indescribable and unquantifiable, and God is the one who's only worth any of our affections and longings. He's the only one worth our affections and longings. How, how How awesome is he? Look at some of the words in here. He's majestic. He's full of splendor or delight. He is full of strength. And he's simply beautiful. Remember the picture of Revelation chapter four last week? The picture of the the wonder of the throne room of God. This is what it's bringing back again. If we're gonna fully get the full meaning of Christmas and the full meaning of worship, we've gotta come back in our place, back to a place in our hearts where we are again in awe of the God of the universe. Everything else, this pastor says, is worthless, worthless, nothing. But there's no price tag for God. You can strip everything away and have God left and you have everything you long for or need in Christmas. It's interesting that it uses the word idols here because I think of even in Christian circles, Christmas is a time where we say, oh, we're gonna forsake all our idols and you know what we do? We come up with lists of all the things that we idolize more than God. And we come up with lists for everyone else. Like if I truly get this this year, then my life will be complete. If I truly receive this, then I will be happy. I'll be happy. If, I, if this is under my stock here in a tree, then this is what I'm gonna be, this is gonna make the Christmas season. And so we claim God, and yet we run around chasing idols. And man, if I spend a good enough time with my family, that's going to complete me. And those are not bad things, but, but yet compared to God, they are nothing. We miss out on God. We miss out on everything. You know the number one thing that's supposed to be on our wish list every Christmas? that God desires to be on our wish list every Christmas, the one thing that's gonna truly satisfy your soul and meet all the longings of your heart every Christmas is a fullness of one thing, and it's God himself. What I've been asking God for in my own heart and the hearts of you as our church people is this, that, oh God, would you give us a more longing, a more awareness of, and a more love for God himself, for for, for yourself this Christmas. Oh God, would you do that by your power, by your grace? Give us one desire, one delight this Christmas to be for a fullness of God because I know if we have a fullness of God, we have a fullness of everything else. And I don't care how big the gift that you get is, it's not gonna compare to, to what God is. I don't care how much money is spent on you or somebody else. It's not going to satisfy your soul. I don't care how good your family time is. It's not going to satisfy your soul. God is the only gift that you can ever give or get that can rescue your soul from hell. Consider this. Consider these things about the reality of God. God is the only one who can ever rescue your soul from hell. He's the only gift that can ever answer your deepest prayers. He's the only one that can give you the true everlasting joy of your heart that you long for. He's the only one that can guide you on the path of life. And he's the only one that can give you an inheritance in eternity that's, that's second to none. God's the only one. 
No family gathering or party can give you the fullness of love and intimacy that your soul truly longs for, but God himself. And I guarantee if you miss that, you're going to go through a long, lonely Christmas season yet again dissatisfied and empty. Which I know many of you have, and I'm sure many of you will, because you'll hear and you'll think that I'm full of whatever. But please don't, don't miss the voice of God today. Instead, take in, take in some of this picture of who God is this Christmas. If there's anything you should, we could invest time in this Christmas, is, is taking in the full reality, the presence of God. Forget the busyness. Forget the bu- in the midst of the busyness, carve out some time in your life to again feast your eyes on the full reality of God. To be still, Psalm 46 says, to be still and know that I am God. When was the last time you did that over Christmas holidays? To be still and know that I am God. Take some of your time this Christmas to ask the Lord to really show you how great he really is. If you don't even know who God is, and ask God to show you that. If you're real, God, show me that. I want to know if, this, if what this pastor's preaching is true. I want to know. Spend some time truly pondering and asking God to help you understand the full reality of what God brings at Christmas, the hope and the peace and the joy and the love, the things that he brings you, that even if Christmas goes bad or good, it doesn't matter because you'll have, you'll have God in your life. God eclipses everything else. I wish I could say that was a 24-hour-a-day, seven-day-a-week thing for me, but we have to fight for this. We have to ask for this. We've got to invest in our relationship with God if we're going to get fully out of our relationship with God, what God wants us to starts with worship. It starts with worship. The last thing is this, the remaining verse. I'm just going to read and pull out a couple points. This is going to be easy for us when we realize the full reality of who God is and what God's done for us, the full reality that God eclipses everything else. This is our call. This is our call daily, our call at Christmas, though, is to give God the highest honor. That's your third point. God deserves the highest honor. Here's the command that God gives us in light of all that he has done, in light of all who he is. He says this, verse seven, so ascribe to the Lord, O families of the peoples, not just individually, but our families, ascribe to the Lord the glory and strength that is his. Ascribe to the Lord the glory, do his name, bring an offering and come into his courts. Worship, see that word? Worship the Lord in the splendor of his holiness. Tremble before him all the earth. Say among the nations, the Lord reigns. Yes, the world is established and shall never be moved. He will judge the peoples with equity. Let the heavens be glad and the earth rejoice. Let the sea roar and all that fills it. Let the field exult and everything in it. Then shall all the trees of the forest sing for joy before the Lord, for he comes. Get this, he comes. This is reason for rejoicing, believe it or not. He comes to judge the earth. In other words, he's gonna make everything that's wrong right. He will judge the world in righteousness. He'll do it in a, in a purely, morally perfect way and all the peoples in his faithfulness of his nature. So to fully get the wow of God, we need to give God the highest honor. Not just a little bit of honor. Not just some of my honor, but the highest honor to be on the throne of our hearts again, to be the one who is priority in our lives. What does it mean to ascribe to the Lord? It means to give the Lord praise. It means to to accredit to God the things that belong to him alone, to attribute to him the place of highest uh, priority in our family and in our lives. 
I know at Christmas we often think of the things that we get, the things that we get and the things that God has given us. Well, what do we get? What do we give God at Christmas? We give God at Christmas. That's ridiculous. I'll wrap something up, put it under the tree. A, he doesn't need it. He's got everything. B, he's not going to pick it up. So why would I do that? But, but what's this pastor's telling us? That God does want to get something from us at Christmas. He does have a wish list as well. There's one thing on the wish list. It's your full heart, your full adoration, your full worship, the highest honor in your life. That's what God wants from us at Christmas. He wants to not just give us his son, not just give us blessings. He wants us to give him the highest place of honor in our lives. That's the gift that you give God for Christmas. And that's what it's talking about here when it says to ascribe to him Glory and honor, he wants us to simply stop and worship him. Not because he's an egomaniac that wants all the attention, because that's the rightful place of where he belongs. He is the God of the universe. He is on the throne. We are not. Our role is to bow before the throne and place him in his proper, uh, proper place in our hearts and to give him the respect and the reverence he deserves. Oh, how it must grieve God. Don't you think how it must grieve God? for us to go through all the lip service things and just cruise through, just cruise through Christmas and miss God completely. He wants us to step back and worship him this Christmas, truly, truly worship him. Here's what worship is according to A.W. Tozer. Not just describing the characteristics that belong to him and and saying to him, wow, look how awesome you are, God. Your reigning means he has an eternal rule that your world is established. That is all part of worship. But here's what ultimately worship is. It involves the heart. A.W. Tozer says this, worship is to feel in your heart and express in some appropriate manner a humbling but delightful sense of admiring awe and astonished wonder and overpowering love in the presence of that most ancient mystery that majesty which philosophers call the first cause, but which we call our Father which art in heaven. You know what God wants most from us this Christmas? He just wants to hear again that you love him and that you realize that all that you are and all that you have and all that you ever will be is only attributed to him alone. That's what God wants from us most at Christmas. And it's beyond a quick 30-second prayer before the wrapper starts flying. Say our token prayer, let's get it over with. Who's gonna be the quickest? Let's get it done. That's not worship. But taking some time to really gather around, if you're gonna be a tree, to gather around and say, okay, let's stop and ponder again the glory and the honor and the praise that is due our God because that's where our fullness of Christmas and life happen. And teaching our children, parents, to do the same, to, to not just do the token thing, but to actually, actually give our hearts to the Lord. And, and we don't maybe put anything under the tree for God, but we can put our hearts again on the throne, on the altar of God, and say, God, my heart is yours. Worshiping involves more than just saying a quick rendition of the Christian or the Christmas story before a meal, but actually taking time to open up the scriptures and, and see what really happened on that first Christmas and, and finding other passages like Psalm 96 and other passages, just Colossians 1, speak to the glory and the wonder of Jesus Christ so that we know fully the full reality of who we're worshiping. It's not just a baby in a manger, it's a living God. God wants from us more than anything else is for us to take time to really allow the truths of who he is sink into our hearts. 
He wants to hear again how grateful we are, how awesome he is, and how delighted we are to be a son or daughter of the living king. This is true worship. And if we have our calendars full and we hit all the objectives of what we want to hit, we have a Christmas dinner every night and get all the gifts we want, but we miss just stopping and being still and worshiping Jesus, we're going to miss Christmas. But when we stop to do this, we know the fullness of joy, the fullness of hope and love and peace, all the advents that most guys usually preach at Christmas, the advents, we have the fullness of those things as we worship Jesus, as we worship God. I just commend to you just taking opportunity this Christmas to, to make time to worship. To make time to worship, even in the midst of all the things going on, make time to worship, carve out time, figure it out, make time. Simple little things like, like when you gather around to get your little chocolate out of that 24-day calendar that we give our kids, take time to, okay, kids, when you pull it out before you eat it, thank God for one thing about how great he is. Before I start my day, I'm going to start by worshiping Jesus. I'm going to open up the word and find one thing about God that I hadn't thought of in a while that I can worship him with. And remind myself daily of the true reality of what Christmas really is. I'm going to again, this Christmas, focus my heart and attention on Jesus. I'm going to make an effort to not focus on the star on the top of the tree, but I'm going to focus on the bright morning star of the universe called Jesus Christ. And I'm going to bow before that star before I bow before any other star. When Jesus comes back, when Jesus comes back, you know what's going to happen? It says it in this passage right here, when he finally does come back and when God comes back and he establishes his rule forever and ever, the whole creation is going to burst forth in worship. Creation is going to come alive with worship. Every nation is going to know that God is real, that God is alive. Every tribe and every tongue, every, it says in Psalms that the rocks are going to cry out. It says here that the, the, the nature is going to clap. There's going to be something glorious going on. There's going to be something spectacular going on. It's going to erupt in one great big worship song. And we're going to get to be a part of it as believers in Jesus Christ. We're going to worship with that song. All of creation is going to bow before God and we're going to worship like you've never worshiped before. So what a great time to start practicing and then right now. And get our hearts and our affections set on the things of God so that when he does come back, when he does come back, we're gonna be ready and we're gonna be singing and we're gonna be bellowing it out with all of creation. And we'll not only, waste, not, not, we'll not only have not wasted this Christmas, but we'll also set ourselves up for eternity of the eternal Christmas with God in glory. That's what Christmas is, is worship. It's simply worship. Let's make a pact together as a church, as followers of Jesus Christ, that we're not going to go through another Christmas without, without worship. This Christmas is going to be about one word. What's it going to be? Worship. Amen. Let me pray that to be a reality. Father, we thank you that we can truly come and celebrate this Christmas, like no other people on this planet, like no other quote-unquote religion on this planet, we as the people of God, redeemed by the Son of God, can come and truly worship you with hearts that are set ablaze with the glory of Jesus Christ because of the fact that Christmas is about Jesus coming down from heaven to earth to make a way. 
Oh God, I pray that the wonder of Christmas would not be lost on us, that we'd not package it just as a nice story, that we'd not miss the full reality of God among us, Emmanuel, God with us. For God, if we could just see the true reality of your presence, I know our hearts would be forever changed and we'd not just, not just be commanded to worship, we'd be compelled to worship. And God, this season would be so much more meaningful than running around trying to fill the emptiness of our hearts with all kinds of things that, they can, that can never fill it. But instead, God, we'd know the fullness of the life of God in us which satisfies every human longing, every human desire, every human ambition or hope satisfied in God himself and Jesus Christ. So Father, I pray for those today that have no inkling today to worship. In fact, they're a little bit frustrated that we've been talking about worship all morning. God, would you help them see the beauty of Jesus right now and the fact that they are not just missing out on a season, but they're going to miss out on eternity apart from God himself. Make this real in our hearts, God. For those here that are needing a fresh, a fresh perspective of worship, would you do that now as we sing this last song, as we feast our eyes on Jesus Christ, as we look at this picture of the totality of who you are, God, I pray you'd open those eyes to see a little more clearly, a little more um, evidently the reality of God that they might worship with greater anticipation this Christmas. God, for those that are here that are just already in that place of like, I just can't wait to get before not the star of the tree, but the bright morning star and worship. I pray, oh God, that this would just spur us on to greater heights of feasting our eyes on Jesus and adoring the one to whom Christmas is about, the one to whom we celebrate. We love you, Lord. We thank you for your word. We thank you for this church. We thank you that you're changing lives. I pray that this morning you continue to change all of our lives for the glory of Jesus. Amen. You've been listening to an audio sermon from Harvest Bible Chapel, Niagara. For more information, please visit our website, harvestniagara.ca.